What is up, soccer people? Thank you and welcome back to another episode of Corn Fed Coaching. Great episode today. A lot of information and insight from our dear friend, Rich Bywater. Um, just quick intro, again, to say thank you. Uh, continue to share, post, um, ask questions. That we I think the guests really like it and we get a lot of uh feedback from what you guys actually want to hear about or want to know from the guests. So please continue to ask questions. You can uh, DM us, reply, comment uh, on Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, any venue. Um, If you know us personally, reach out to us and we'll get the question and a shout out to you. Um, On Instagram is cornfedcoachingpod. Um, On Twitter it is cornfedpod, I believe. Is the name? Uh, yeah, Cornfed Podcast, and then on Facebook it's Cornfed Coaching Podcast. Jack, anything for the people? Yeah, thanks very much for listening. Shall we get on with the pod? Let's kick off the pod. Kick off the pod, mates. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Cornfed Coaching. Uh, very exciting episode today. We have in-house the director of coaching for West Des Moines Soccer Club, also the technical director for Sporting Iowa Soccer Club, Mr. The Infamous Rich Bywater. How are you? Great. Thanks for having us, boys. Happy to be a better a privilege. Oh, yeah. you know, a pleasure to have you. Uh, you know, it t- took you a little bit to get on the pod, but we're, we're happy that you're here now. We've had some of your uh, co-workers and past co-workers I know they set the bar pretty high. Yeah, I, I, if anyone can live up to the challenge, it's you. <laughs> so <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, Jack, you want to kick us off? Yes. Uh, so, Rich, let's just go through uh, start from the beginning, I guess. Talk about where you're from, kind of your playing experience, and then how you came to America and kind of your transition into coaching. Yeah, um, mine was, a, I suppose, a semi-interesting one. I. Uh, Grew up on a pig farm in Yorkshire. Uh, <laughs> so it was pig farming days, got up every day doing that. Um, but yeah, started playing from a young age. Um, my dad's massively into into soccer. Um, and yeah, he kind of guided me through that. Played until I was about 16. And then I left uh, back home, as you'll know, Jack, but maybe Joe did not, but we leave school at 16. Mm. Um, so I done with school at 16 and then I... Uh, moved to Malta on my own. My mom's originally from Malta, so I got family there, and I worked for Bobby Charlton Soccer School. So I was working there and and, uh, working in a restaurant on a night. Uh, Came back to England for a quick minute to be a postman. (laughs) And then, I'm laughing at my own. (laughs) (laughs) I was a postman for a bit, and then got uh, a chance to come to America to do the Challenger Sports British Soccer stuff. Did that for... A year, then went to Australia for a year, became a surf camp instructor for a year, and then came back to America um, to do Challenger Sports, went back to went back home again, did a bit of postman stuff, and then got offered a scholarship randomly from a random Latino League game I played in, in Florida. A guy was starting a new college up in West Texas, uh, WTC, Go Rough Riders, uh, and yeah, got a scholarship there, did a year there. Um, then I was the assistant coach for a year and then came to Grandview and played for three years. So yeah, if you add that up, that was five years at school. Sorry. That's just like me. Yeah. <laughs> I was six, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Finished that at Grandview and then, um, was playing at Grandview and as everyone knows, you've not got much money when you're in college mm-hmm. and being international is kind of tough. Absolutely. So worked on campus, but then was able to get a side gig coaching at JUSC, uh, the bold Shedsey. Okay. And then, so... Yeah, that's We're kind of definitely awesome. getting Shedzy on. Oh, so, have oh, to. if you're listening, reach out. You're coming on. I don't know who's had more travel. You or Vorster. I mean, he. Yeah, I thought he took the cake, and you're... Yeah, I've been about a bit. I don't know. Vorster takes the cake. We have a good-looking boy. In here. <laughs> but yeah, so I've been about a bit. Um, just really fortunate to, to have the experiences I have, and I think they really have helped out. So. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I, I almost want to ask about these surfing instructors. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's off brand, but it's so funny that it's I, off I brand, I'm a surfing instructor. So basically, me and my mate, um, we were, you know, done the old traveling piece, went to Sydney, and we went on a surf camp like week. We yeah. paid for it, 
and then I guess we were a good enough laugh where the guys were like, hey, do you want to stay back and help us? I was like, mate, I don't know how to surf. <laughs> like, it's not a big deal, just push people on a board. I was like, oh, I can do that. So I basically got up every morning and just push people on a board. <laughs> that is yeah, which it was quite funny because we'd show we'd get on the beach before you know you're gonna like all right this is how you do it and that so we'd be on the beach and I'd be popping up with all this style and grace and stuff but they'd never see me out on the water. <laughs> you're like it's easy what are you talking about so yeah it was a good laugh man good times really enjoyed it oh my it's quality god okay so you started coaching at JUSC yeah. where, where did it kind of go from there so you're just doing just one team, two teams? No, I wasn't into the select program to begin with. Again, I think you all went through the same path as mm-hmm. uh, helping out in academy. Honestly, I was begging Shedi at the point. I was like, mate, I, I need some cash. And, you know, I've done a little bit of coaching. Um, so I did that. And then I remember it was the academy festival. At that time, we're still at county. Mm. Um, and they're like, hey, you know, there's, the teams are out there. And I, I didn't really know the parameters of what I was supposed to be doing, but I just literally stayed out there all day and coached every team. I burned to a crisp. <laughs> and... Um, I think I just sat really well with Shedzi and Ozzy at the time and they were like, oh, he's, he's really invested. And then the next year I got to work with the U11 girls who are now, I think they're just graduating out now, oh, those wow. girls. Um, U11 girls with uh, Jekka Damnia and just learned so much from Shedzi. At that time, and they still have, but at the time the club had a lot of great mentors here. Like when I first got Ozzy, it was unbelievable. Um, his ability to articulate himself so well, so I, I learned a lot from him, coining phrases. Shedzi learned a lot from him in regards to sessions and, and player management. Young Ross was there at the time, not so much Young Ross anymore. Marty, <laughs> Marty Smith was there, so yeah, I just, just learned a lot from those lads. So it was, it was a great breeding ground for a young coach to be in. Yeah, what uh, would you take away from the challenger experiences? Uh, a lot of fun, yeah. a lot of fun, um, but. I've actually talked with this with, with Ross Moffat a few times yeah. I think now with young coaches coming through I think we baby him a little bit like here's 10 kids they're all the same age they're all similar like ability yeah. and then if they get handed like oh they've got 15 kids then they're like out of the depth and they don't sure. know what they're doing the thing with Challenger is like my first camp it was so funny man I flew into Memphis it was my first uh, the first time I was in America and I flew in and my uh, gaff at the time Phil Nash was like here's a set of keys you're on a one man camp in Montgomery, Alabama. I was like, all right, cool. So never drove in America, seven hour drive. That was before smartphones, got my map out. Oh <laughs> drove, to, drove to Montgomery, <laughs> Alabama. I had a one-man camp. And my first day, one-man camp, I didn't even have a host on to stay with. They put me up in like army barracks. So I'm just like on my own, like what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. And uh, got onto the field the first day and like they give you this like camp pamphlet that you're supposed to read through it's like hey welcome to Challenger Sport <laughs> I had like nine kids ranging from four years old to 15 and they're just like right you've gone for five hours a day so you've just got to survive and you've got to be flexible so that is the best thing I ever took from Challenger just like yeah just throw me anything and I'll kind of deal with it yeah. that's what you've got to do the camps weren't always like that and British, British soccer do a tremendous job but like there's now and again you're on a one man camp in the middle of nowhere I actually did three back to back weeks of one-man camps in Montgomery, Alabama, then uh, in uh, Mississippi twice, and then I finally got to see everyone back in Memphis. Man, that was a good day. <laughs> yeah, just thrown into the deep end. Yeah, yeah, it is. But that's how you learn. That, that, is, yeah. that is exactly how you learn, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So speaking of learning, so you're currently doing your A-license. Yeah. Talk about the experience with the, the current A-license I think we talked about it in the previous podcast with um, Ginger and Candice that of course is uh, what coaches need to do or not necessarily need to do but to gain education as they are kind of progress as a coach. What are your experiences and takeaways from the current A license? So yeah, I just I literally just got off my, my first um, Congratulations session. by yeah, the way. Yeah, thank you. So um, what's the what's the structure? You have to So we we had our first meeting last week, so we went Sunday to Friday. Mm-hmm. Um and then we have, that's the first development period, which I'm in right now. Um, and then we're back again September 15th, I believe, for another like five, six days. And then we're back again in November. And then they'll come out and assess me out probably in the spring. So in between those two other, um, well, those three pieces, there's two development periods um, where a lot of the, I think a lot of the learning does take place. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, this learning takes place with while, you, while you're in the, in the classroom and on the field, but um, it's more of self-development, which 
Um, I really enjoy it and I think it's quite inspiring and motivating. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the structure, how that looks. Uh, and then, sorry, your first question was just kind of how the experience has been. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit overwhelming, to be honest, um, which is good and I enjoyed because when I was on my B, I found it a little bit underwhelming. Mm. Um, and I don't think that's anything from US soccer. Um, and this is nothing against the instructors that you have either, but every course I've been on has had a different experience. And I, I, I think that's just because of the instructor you've got. Um, I still, to this day, say one of my best experiences and the most I've learned is with Gary Isles doing my D uh, up in Ames. Um, but yeah, so this time I, my, uh, my instruction uh, is Stefan Siebert. Um, he's a German guy, young German guy, very, very meticulous, very mm. detail-oriented, um, which is going to be great for me because I don't know if I'm the most detailed person, especially when it comes to like off-the-field stuff. Um, so he's really going to push me. So that's the overwhelming piece. Um, and then the other piece that's different is the methodology. Uh, previously, like I said, on, on previous... Uh, courses I've been on it's not been as the as, as the same but this time they're talking about a lot about the orientation and learning phase which I didn't really get on my B for some reason which I should have done when I looked at the time scale mm-hmm. but I did not <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm kind of learning that and all the A stuff as well so that's the overwhelming part but happy to be overwhelmed I think they're the most fun pieces when you step in and you're like oh man I need to get better um, Absolutely. and that's where I feel I do the best and I enjoy those scenarios let's um, dive Let's go back just to that with the orientation and the learning phase just for parents that are listening as yeah. well, kind of how we structure a session or how US soccer yeah. are structuring a session. What is the orientation and the learning phase? I hope Stefan's not listening. <laughs> now, so previously when we did, when we went through before this new methodology, we went through the four stages, you know, you'd have your warm-up and you go through your four stages and small-sided, um, expanded and, and then the game. Um, and you would only work with one team. So say if I was playing out the back, I would work with my back four, maybe my six eights, and I would work on you know getting it from the defensive third to the middle third. And now with this orientation and learning phase within each stage, well, within the two middle stages, um, it's more about creating a problem and solving it. So if I'm building out the back, we stay on that theme, I would work in the orientation phase of working with the pressing team. So I'd work with the nine, seven, eleven, and tens, try and not let the other team out and create a problem consistently. When that problem's happening consistently, which is a fine line, and I think that's the hardest thing to determine, what the consistency is and when that line is drawn, then you'll go in and coach the other team and kind of be the messiah and coach <laughs> in the back four and like, all right, this is how you build out and this is how we're going to solve those problems. So the, the orientation phase is, is setting the problem and then the learning phase will be solving it. Awesome. Sweet. Um, so... Let's go. When you originally uh, applied for your A, you didn't, mm-hmm. you didn't, you weren't able to get on. No. So, what what were the kind of things that you did? How did you kind of counter that? Because I know I, I I've just done my C. I did my C about eighteen months ago, and I tried to get on my B, and uh, I wasn't able to get on due to uh, people having more experience than me. There's a long wait list too. It's not yeah, like you're not qualified. It's, no, just, no, it's no. like I'm a hundred percent qualified. Yeah, there's. <laughs> Whoever needs to know now knows he is qualified. I would put it on my uh, my resume. We'll see. Right. But what are the kind of things that you did to kind of keep continue co- uh, coaching education and mm-hmm. like did, did you look at any other courses or things like that? Um, I didn't particularly look at any courses, but I was I was on. It definitely gave me some more time to be on the lookout for educational opportunities. So. Um, I'm a big believer in mentors, so um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have some, some great ones within within this state, so reaching out a lot to them. Um, I uh, One of those mentors, Gareth Smith, obviously, is the head coach in Drake, so I went and, I say volunteered, I went and watched the sessions, you know, uh, the training in the morning, so that was good, it didn't conflict with, with uh, club stuff. So doing that on a daily basis, um, getting down to sport in KC as much as possible, I was able to go also to the um, Sporting KC um, pre-season mm. um, event down in Arizona, so you get to see that really cool. pre-season, which is pretty cool. And then, oh, I did my grassroots license as well, which, uh, well, my grassroots um, instructor's course license, yeah. should I say. Um, so all those pieces really helped me grow still. Um, the instructor's license was one of my favorite licenses I've been on as well. Opened up the realms of other areas that you need to improve on. I think we get so stuck on the field. Yeah. I'm like, this is where we need to get better. <laughs> where with the instructor's license talked a lot about your demeanor and your attitude within the classroom and even 
like your body language of, hey, this might be a good chance to sit down when you're talking, to opposed to standing up, to have a, get a different response from your crowd. So like, just little stuff like that that you probably didn't think about um, previously. Um, so those are the other piece. I, I think it's just hugely key that you look for other educational opportunities, and they don't always have to be structured. Um, it could be as easy as going to watch another session. It could be as easy as just making some intentional time with some like-minded people to sit down in a, in a, in a bar or a coffee shop and be like, mm-hmm. Hey, what do you think about this? Um, I know um, the Stevie Greaves tactical teacher, um, uh, myself, Ross Moffitt, Justin Boster, and uh, Tyler Smarha just had a night round at my house and we're like trying to figure it out. So there's so many ways to grow and learn. Um, you've just got to get intentional about them. There's lots of intentional times that you learn as well, but yeah. um, that's what I found myself doing, just getting more intentional with my time to try and grow. Yeah, I think that's some good advice for younger coaches and Experienced coaches too. Yeah. And we were speaking to uh, Carlos Asami about it too, and he's had his A for however long, and he hasn't done anything since. Yeah. He's itching, you know. Yeah. He wants to look yeah. at those so opportunities. Then, the game is always changing. Like we spoke to Justin Washer about that too. The game is always changing, so you kind of have to evolve with the game consistently. And um, I think that's my biggest worry about getting older as a coach. Yeah. Is I really don't want to sit down and just kind of stagnate. Um, and it's awesome, look, yeah, hopefully I'll get my A and that'd be great, but you just always want to find the next step and I want to consistently find those areas that I step into it and I'm overwhelmed. That's that's why we do what we do, I think. That's why you're so energised every day to get better, right? Um, so, yeah, it's great that people like Carlos and there's a reason why he's doing so well with you know um, with club and, and, and high school is that he's looking to get better, but it doesn't always have to be a structured course. I think, I think that'd, that'd be my biggest takeaway. It doesn't always have to be that. I think you get more affirmation from doing a course and be like, oh, I got my A, so now I've achieved something. Mm-hmm. But I think you grow consistently by just getting intentional anyway. Yeah, I think that's a great point of just, like you said, just being able to find a group or mentors that you can go to and kind of, you know, bounce ideas off to off of or feel comfortable because you, you are more comfortable with, you know, people you get along with. Yeah. Um, to disagree as well and kind of challenge each other. Um, I know we were talking to Ross. I don't know if he mentioned on the podcast, but that – that Steve Greeby course is like extensive. Yeah. He's like, he's like, we all needed to be the, together yes. to collab and like go through all this yeah. stuff. No, I think what you were talking about there, that contentious has been having that back and forth is huge. You need to find people that are able to do that. Um, luckily, I'm, I'm, I find that quite easy to, to go back and forth with people actually enjoying. That's what I get most out of it. But um, Gareth Smith was unbelievable at that when I first stepped into West Des Moines. Mm. I mean, like, I've real green coach not really ever worked in that realm and within the first day he sat around the table I was able to go at him and he took it in such a positive way didn't always take that opinion for what it was he's still the gaffer and stuff <laughs> but I just appreciate the way he approached that because then when you've got that back and forth is when real learning takes place because no matter if you're just stepping on the field first time or someone's been there 15 years we've all had different experiences as you just did with myself to Foster to Ross and you all learn so many mad different things from those experiences. So everyone can offer something. Yeah, absolutely. And especially the mentorship, like you're saying, I, you know, you started. You're still a young coach, but <laughs> but, great <laughs> but as like young coaches, I, I you were definitely like you said, you know, so energized, or you you think you know, or you think you have an idea, and you you go at it, and it's good to have a mentor to kind of hear you out, like Gareth did, and you know, it's like okay, yeah, yeah. and it, but also be like. Maybe. Yeah, okay, yeah, a little the bit. The amount of times that Ross, I'd come in the office, when Roscoe first got the job as the DOC, I'd come yeah. in the office with so many of my ideas. He'd be like, mate, just calm down. It's like, oh, we could do this. And he managed me so well, to be honest. Yeah. He's like, just settle. Yeah, like, it's like, all right, relax, all right. Relax. But you need both of that. And to be honest, that's why I love being around your lads as well. Yeah. I feel like you're brought another energy um, and you blood to the state, especially in the Metro. Yeah. Like when I'm around, you're on the fields, like you're coaching, like, really coaching yeah. uh, and I just love that and I'm like right I've got to get better again it's same uh, when Ross Alexander was here another guy who's just bursting full of enthusiasm at times he needs to maybe like turn it down a oh, yeah. right? but I loved it and I learned so much from him and he's so dedicated he's just he's just inspiring you know? oh, yeah. I want to be around those people and I know when I've talked to Matty he's loved being around you boys yeah. because he's like oh it's just giving me another lease of life so everyone's got their part to play yeah. it doesn't matter if you're a mentor if you're first starting out you're enthusiastic or you're probably somewhere in the middle where I find myself at right now 
um, it's that's we need everybody. We Absolutely. need all those pieces. I, I think I always think it's really funny too how the parents' perception of like the coaching community is different. Like they, you know, it'll be a sporting parent or, or you know, in a rush parent, they're like, oh, and then they see the coaches like go up to each other and like, what's up? And they're like, wait a second, like you're not supposed yeah. to like each other. And like, they're like, oh wait, no, we're the all. The goal like... is the same. Yeah, yeah, like of course. Just because we're different clubs, <laughs> yeah. the goal is Absolutely. the same. Development in Iowa. Development in the wanna, U.S. We want to push it forward, and part of that is competition. Don't get me wrong. If I'm coaching against, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to be here. Yeah, absolutely, Eric. Me and me and Moffitt, we used to. So we had the. 16s and 17 boys at the time. We were both good groups. Yeah. Uh, we play against each other in training. I want to be in. I oh, yeah. Pissed off. That's exactly like, the same we enjoy yeah. right now. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You've got to have that. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're in it, right? We're competitive beasts. So, Absolutely. Yeah, but it's it, it's fun that we're, I think we're in a better place than we've ever been. Yeah. I've been in Des Moines a decade. Been in the coaching community about eight, nine years. Mm. And uh, the growth of in terms of the collaboration that's happening is beyond whatever it's been before I don't know if that's I think it's better everything I think though we're standing on the shoulders of those before us who have yeah. done the work and putting the, you know, the foundations and then it's obviously been carried on from I don't want to say you're not a new coaches anymore yeah. um, but like you know the kind of new blood that's come through so it's exciting to see that and hopefully there's some families and parents listening that understand that it is healthy competition but we have all got the same goals Jack said yeah yeah, I definitely, and we've gotten good feedback even from the parents that have been listening, you know, or just like informational. Yeah. And that's been like the biggest thing from this is just like getting information out, getting like, the, you know, they, they, there's this like mystical, what's a coach like, oh, like it's like, it's like, nah, it's like, you know, we're hopefully good at what we do, but it's also like just inclusivity and, and you know, letting them know they're like, like we've talked about all the times, like they don't know what MRL or NPA, they're like, yeah. what? Like, all these abbreviations. Yeah, like, right. Throw it down, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just more information and like collaboration, like you said, is and I think it's key. I think that's uh, I got a good one from actually Roscoe's podcast when you were talking. He, he talked through, and I, I I've been learning stuff. I've been listening to every episode, and I've been taking little bite-sized chunks from everything. But from that one in particular, he talked about a mistake that he felt he made was not including the parents, yeah, um, in the process as much. And then I think Jack talked about his Facebook group, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, man, that's that's a decent idea. I'll, I'll take that away and. Um, it's something that I made mistakes with for sure in the, my first nine, ten months of being at UOC. I'm like, nah, this is what's happening. This is how we're doing it. And, and, and why are you not on board? Yeah. How can they get on board if they don't understand? <laughs> yeah, they just don't. Similarly with the board, um, obviously I stepped into a new realm uh, and, and realm in that. And the chat is always like, oh, the board don't know what's happening. The board yeah. and I've got a, an amazing board, by the way. And I'm super gra- grateful and, and thankful that they were able to give a younger guy a chance at a, you know, a decent, really decent position. So I'm such a privilege to be in the role I'm in. But that's the first moment you hear from every DOC or the board. I'm like, well, yeah, but our job's to tell them what's happening. Yeah. Our job <laughs> is to give them information. Right. Sometimes we're not got the time to do that, and that's what happens. But how can we expect them to understand if we don't give them the information? So I think twofold, like, it's, it's been great for parents and the board that are starting to understand that. Don't want to execute on it, but yeah. starting to understand Absolutely. Oh man, there's a lot to unpack there. Where we could go? Uh, let's nah. go. Let's go. Sporting Iowa. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. Talk that's about good. Affiliation. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what an affiliation is, um, who it's with, uh, why you think that it's valuable, uh, especially I think for parents too. They, they think, what even is an affiliation? Yeah. What are we even getting? They probably just think it's an aging. Yeah. They probably don't understand. Yeah. You know, a rebrand or something. So yeah, I've been, I've been around since the birth of, of sport in Iowa yeah. um, and the affiliation with sporting um, obviously a little bit more involved in it now than I was previously but initially I think um, for all intents and purposes it, it was a name that we, were, that we were looking for so the idea was that U17s I think it was that JOC and Western One would come together the reasoning for coming together I think was the right reasons uh, when we get to those age groups as, as you're aware the numbers start to dwindle a little bit um, and I think when people think about clubs coming together, they just go straight to the elite. Yeah. And it's not really just for the elite. It was just trying to get like for like together. So you, when you come together, say there was 18 and 18, now you bring those 36 together, there's probably 10 to 15 players that want to go to college that you can send to showcases and everything else. And then there's another you know, 20 players that don't, and they can stay within their realms as well. But when you have them separate... You, you only had six or seven mm. that wanted to go and six and seven that wanted to go and you couldn't really um, find the best way to get the most out of both of those groups so 
putting life for life together. So that's the reason why we wanted to do that. But then Sporting Gay was a name. We didn't want to be called like. I remember the first time it came, it was like literally J U S E West Des Moines. On, <laughs> How on many the letters? Shirt. Like... And then you know the old American like one two three. It was like one two three West Des Moines. Oh my So it gave it initially just gave it a brand. We were look. We were, I know that we were looking in the market for a while to see what kind of affiliation because there's affiliations with European teams like yeah. you know, you get like Chelsea or Bayern or whatever yeah. else. Um, but I think we were committed to for one an MLS club because we're in America and I think it's our job to grow the game as we said not just in our state but in the country. Um, and then just the affiliate affiliate program that looked like it was building a sporting KC just looked like something we wanted to be a part of. And um, the the brainchild behind that is, is Peter Venice and. He is a very, very smart guy. Like, he's impressive. And so we kind of just bought all into that. So he gave us a brand, we were in that. And then the first couple of years, I don't know if we got anywhere near as much back in the affiliation as we do now. Mm. Like, the affiliation program has grown massively. We've now got, like, a set team that is set from Sporting KC that's here to look after us um, to offer different aspects of what we can grow with. So within the affiliate program right now, we've got... um, Nathan Hunt's just come on board. I think he used to be with Rush, actually. Mm. Um, yeah, he, was. he did my CS. Yeah, so... He's doing my CS. Well. Really? Oh, yeah. He seems like a quality guy. Only Very good. Him, yeah, a couple of times, but he's going to come up and do, like, a mission and vision talk with us. Um, he's offering up um, actual coaching education so he can run a D-license for us and grassroots. So, you can, so there's lots of little pieces that they've added to it now that, that's been great, as well as being connected with a professional club. Um on top of that, we're able to go down to, we're able to take all of our staff down to any training day at Sporting, uh, whether it be the first team all the way down to the academy. Oh, wow. um, so it's just great to be able to see it in that environment. And then after the sessions as well, you'd think that you would just be like a spare part. Yeah. You know, you're just there. But after the sessions, Peter and me, so after the session, we'll come and spend 20 to 30 minutes talking through a session, you know, answering questions. And you're just like, man, the access is unreal. And it's the hardest thing to articulate back to the families because they don't see that dollar amount straight in front of them. But it's paying off through our coaches. Like yeah. when you see that stuff, you, we grow as coaches, which in turn hopefully helps the players get better. So I went on a million different directions there. I, no. I apologize, but I'm just trying to give you a feel for the affiliation, what it is. And then um, there's lots of cool events as well. Like we go at the start of the season to the um, sport and affiliate kind of kickoff. So we'll play other affiliates. I think there's about 15 affiliations right now in the Midwest. Um, so that's the other cool piece of it as well. You've got another 15 people who are in the same boat as you. Um, sporting might tell us how to do something, but they're not really in the trenches. So when you can go into like Sporting OFC director or coach and be like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. You can get a little bit from it. So the collaboration within the affiliate market is good as well. So lots of cool things that come with wow. it. Um, I've been impressed with the growth of the, yeah. the affiliation for sure. What is it? What are a couple of takeaways you've gotten specifically from Peter Vermees? I know he. he so for is, people on this, for people oh yeah, on this, yeah, yeah. He's, Peter Vermees is the head coach for the Sporting Kansas, Kansas City, City yeah. MLS team. MLS, MLS. first and not, team. And not just like I was thinking about this the other week as well. Well, actually, it was a while back, but um, I think he's the longest-serving coach probably in any top league in the world right now. Mm. So he's created stability in a job market that is completely unstable Absolutely. Um, and the way that he's done that and you're saying what is the biggest takeaway he is relentless relentless in protecting his culture mm. it's just like this is what we've set up and we are not wavering on it and it's unreal like you just um, so when we're down at the sporting preseason um, in Arizona we have like uh, a two hour like meet and greet with Peter so we're sat like around the campfire kind of kumbaya uh, with a beer and that and he's just He's just like, it's unreal, the intensity he's got in protecting his culture. So he was talking about Aikapara. Um, yeah, yeah. He was at the half yeah. last year, right? And I, I guess that he spilled some stuff out on social media or something. And Opara was unbelievable at yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was just like, look, mate, no, we're sorry, you're done. And then straight after he's had that conversation, because of the, the nature of the world we live in right now and instant access to social media, he went straight to the boys or the team and was like, look, this, we've got, you know, we've, we've moved power on and for this reason and this reason just so you all know um, and it might be a, to a detriment of this season like if you look they've yeah, no. really performed as well but in his eyes it's not worth compromising himself to, to to then 
get a bit of success on the front end. He's looking for long-term success. So that had been my biggest takeaway. So I'm just all, I came back from Arizona, I'm just all about like, we need to create a culture. Like yeah. what is our culture? How are we going to do that? And Which is really transferable to what's just happened with uh, JVC and West Moines in the last couple of months. Um, we, we've got to create an, a new mission, vision, and, and create that culture and, and really stick to it. Mm. That's tough because, again, we're all competitive people and we know, oh, well, that player, yeah. you know, they're pretty good, so I might, yeah, they didn't turn up to training twice. Yeah. But if you set that culture, I think it's important that you stick to it. So that would be my biggest takeaway that I found from, from Peter at this point. And do you, so when you go down there, do you, uh, like personally, or the staff, I guess, um, do you typically only watch the first team or will you watch the We go down there for levels? a full day because I mean like it's a three hour drive yeah. so we'll go down there for a full day we'll get there at about nine o'clock ten o'clock we'll watch the first team train first and then like the 19s will train and 17s and we'll, we'll stay to pretty much watch okay. and then they've usually got a sw- uh, swap ranges oh swap yeah, ranges yeah, yeah USL team so if you wanted to stay all night you could do some people choose to come back right I'd like to get it to a point where we actually stay over yeah and, yeah it's it's impressive, man. It's yeah. cool to see the integration from team to team. Like when we were down there, there was a U16 lad training with the first team, um, and they put him in as the um, the joker. The whole yeah. Time, you know, and then we asked Peter about that, and he was like, "Yeah, he's he's not he's not really ready for the full contact yet." And it's like the planning that goes into just bringing kids up from academy. Like, all right, we've got to get hold of the hold of the U16 boys. We've got to let the host family know or family know. Yeah. Um, you might come out of school early you might not go to school that day to, to be able to train with the first team so there's a lot of intentionality goes behind it I mean I suppose when that's your, your only sole purpose yeah. uh, I'm sure you can get better at that yeah that, that was the one of the sorry no. that was that's one of the biggest takeaways at the convention last year I went to all the uh, Chicago Fire stuff all the yeah. presentations and they had their methodology and all this and their uh, I believe it was their um youth director you know director of youth and he just talked about like you said one they they have to establish a culture and he's like that's why I came in it, you know I don't know if they were as well cemented in a, a culture as Sporting Kansas City has done um, so that was his primary job but just the top down like hey this is how our first team want to play so he has to collaborate with the first team manager yeah. go okay this is the way the first team want to play so that has to trickle down all the way to their you know 13s so they would he showed a video He's like, okay, this is our 19s, like, building out and how we want to, you know, overload the wide area. And then 13s, he goes, this is the same thing. And it's literally, it's like, you know, speed of play is different, the physical, you know, pay, but it's the, the ideas are all the same. So I, that was the biggest takeaway of, okay, if you want to, you know, all this fragmentation, even at a local club level like we have, is like, okay, well, if you have, coach, if you have Jack for two years and then you have, me, and then you go to me, well, if Jack and I's ideas are so far, you know, not yeah. the same, like, that affects the player. So it's like, you know, one of the top players that Jack had could be, you know, if we're not in, in talks and uh, the similar ideas, that that could affect that player so drastically. So it's like such a massive thing that people maybe overlook a little bit or don't understand to the full effect. It is, and it, it's tougher to do in our environment, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because, let's be right, I'm a, the, the player pool that Sporting can choose from, um, even for a U13 group, yeah, they can choose winners. Like you might pick a youth that team uh, girls group up and they've not got an out and out winner. So you're like, oh, I'm gonna play with a pop off the diamond in the yeah. middle of the park. Yep. You know, so it, it's harder for us to do, um, and that's why we do get. I think both uh, when I when I've looked at like BSA and Rush, and, you know, JWC West Des Moines, and, and I'll just talk about clubs within the metro. I do see a real intentionality behind how they're gonna play and everything else, but. There's got to be differences because you're going to get different player profiles and stuff all the time. But it is inspiring to see. I do love that, like, from top to bottom, this is what we're doing. And I'm sure we're not seeing, I'm sure we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. But that stuff, you're like, oh, that'd be cool to work in that environment. That'd be a lot of fun to be able to be like, right, you're 11 years old. We see you as a right back. And we're going to try and make you the best right back in the world. Yeah. Um, you're you're uh, follow like Tim Lee's at all. Yeah. So um, his piece is always on about like what can you be the best at the world at? Mm-hmm. And he's like always talks about trying to produce Champions League players. Like for us, and I know that we're kind of going a bit with that with Justin the other day when you were talking like like oh you could play in a couple of different positions and you know you could, 
I, I do believe in that, but I think there's some people like, no, you're going to be a centre back. Yeah. And I'm going to make you the best centre back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you guys go down to Sporting KC and you check it mm-hmm. out. Do they ever come to you? Yes. Uh, so, they do come up. They come up once a year um, as a, a part of the affiliate market experience, it's mm-hmm. called. So uh, this year we had Roomba Montari come up. Who, uh, Roomba is the U17 boys um, coach down at Swan KC. So he came, he ran like four sessions. We put him with the younger, like uh, we put him with the academy age kids and then the 12s. The 12s are going into the 13s and coming together, so we wanted to do that. Mm. Um, and then he also put on like um, presentation to the staff and board members that wanted to be there. I think he talked through kind of remember now like culture and then playing style and stuff you basically take oh and then uh, game analysis and, and what they use down at Sporting so some of the stuff was just like we would never be able to use but yeah. it's still like kind of cool to see. <laughs> yeah. and then some of the stuff was like oh yeah we can take that away and use it so he was up here for like three four days so that happened oh, once wow. a year um, that they come up and then um, if we wanted them to come up more we could um, if we could request like Nathan Hunt who is the, the guy right now down there in terms of the affiliation he's going to come up probably end of July or maybe in December when we get a break to talk about the ambition mission stuff so um, Dan Popic who's another guy who's like the main guy down there he came up like five weeks in a row almost when we were working with a collaboration with JWC so um, they're very accessible um, and again the last couple of years I've seen so much benefit from the program so. yeah that sounds awesome who's their technical is it Michael Ribeiro no the Ribeiro guys uh, Michelle Okay. Michelle is a... Follow him on Twitter, so I don't He's an <laughs> interesting cat, man. Like, that really? is kind of wild, the stuff that he does. So he basically works with each team for, like, 20 minutes, and he just does these mad, like, semi-unopposed... It's, like, technical work, Yeah, right? like, yeah. Mad technical terms, and he's got all these, like, stuff that makes It's, like, cra- it some of the stuff he's... Yeah, he's, like, it's not even, like, moves. It's, like, twirls and shit. job. He don't work with any teams. Really? Okay. And he's just does 20 minutes of each. And um, and they seem to see a lot out of it, but the piece that they're seeing to get a lot out of as well is Michelle, apparently, he's got a lovely eye for players, like, mm. younger players. So he... I think he worked with, like, the scene he worked with, like, De Bruyne and... Uh, oh, wow. I forget the other cat that he was working with. Anyway... But, like, some of the stuff that De Bruyne does, actually, like, you see Michelle, like, you know, I'm like, oh, right, that makes sense. So he does that. He's got some job, by the way. So he never, like, wins or loses. I'm yeah, like, yeah. How, how is your job measured, by the way? He just, yeah. 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 He just comes out and watches the games, like, you see that? Yeah, that was, yeah. that was so, he's, he's an interesting guy. But um, John Parry is the... Uh, oh, okay, guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. but Michelle uh, Ribeiro is uh, the kind of crazy technical guy. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah, I, I just, yeah, like I said, I... Some do some Twitter stuff. Talk like, to me. He's yeah. just like he talks about bringing the street onto the pitch because again, the world changed a little bit. You're not getting as many kids playing the street anymore. So he's doing like these kind of crazy skills street stuff, like on the field and trying to put it in a functional thing. Huh? Oh, wow, it's really cool. Um, okay, so let's. I mean, we can jump around, but let's talk about. Now that you, you so we've talked about your A, you've talked about gaining experience through Challenger, now, you know, different roles at JOC, West Des Moines, Sporting, um, and so now talk about kind of your coaching methodology. So, uh, you know, that's a big question, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, however you want to take it, whatever road you want to go down, then we can kind of break it down if you'd like as well. Yeah. Talk about... Talk about what it was and how it's changed. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be interesting to talk through that piece. When I first started coaching and um, when I got my first 11 v 11 team, and that's what you want, right, as a young coach, like, I want to coach, like, the big leads, yeah. you know, so um, it was just experimentation. I was just, like, trying, and that's, the point. club's amazing for that. You get to coach so much, and I know sometimes, like, oh, we get to coach so much, <laughs> but you get to experiment all the time. Um, and not experiment when I'm putting the kids in, like, a place where they're not going to be successful, but you do get to try things. So initially, it's not so much a methodology, but the style of play has definitely changed. I think my methodology, I've not really, to be honest, put enough time into it yet um, because my methodology became the Western Moy method. You know, yeah. I, I, I kind of got indoctrinated into that, and that's what I believed in, and, and Gareth saw that. So I, I bought into that culture, and very similar to everyone else's right now. It's like play through the thirds intentionally and, and, and try and develop plays, but. 
my playing style definitely changed. So when I first started, it was just all about it's just all about intensity, to be honest. I just like, and I still want that, and I love that in terms of like pressing and getting after it. Um, and then first figured out about like fullbacks, like bombing on and mm. creating overloads out wide, and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like I'm doing what Pep does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it didn't last very long. So that, and then um, that kind of revolved. And um, remember, I had the U14 boys. Me and Ross Alexander had the U14 boys, and I took them over from Gareth. They were a really good team. They actually won State Cup at 13s. And when Gareth transitioned out, I took them in the spring of 14s. And uh, Ross and I said, like, mate, they're not playing good enough stuff. They're not playing. I was like, all right, what, what do we need to do? And I remember me and Ross sat down and like, right, how do we want them to play? Yeah. What the profiles we've got? And then we kind of went to the old like centre-back splitting and full-backs pushed up. And we, and that worked really well. And now I'm like, oh, that's my style of play. That's what I'm doing. And then that's evolved again. After like, Two conversations with Stevie Greve absolutely blew my world. Like I was like, really? Holy shit! Like what? I didn't even think about the game that way. So the last time I went and met him at the last convention, we were just chatting away. And it was just like in an offshoot conversation. It wasn't like an intentional. And I was like, mate, I can't figure out how Man City build. Yeah. I'm like, I, 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 I don't get it. Like, how are they building? It's like, what's the triggers? Because literally, like, Kyle Walker's is a defensive midfielder. Yeah, it's like inverted, he's, like, he's out wide. Oh, what is happening? And he was just like, oh, they're just... It's... And then he came and did the uh, Iowa Symposium. Yeah. And, and it even hit home a little bit more, but it just talked about being in front and in between two and being behind and in between two. So consistently, they move regarding the pressure, not on the markings on the field. And for, for so long, I just built with the markings on the field, like mm. the centre-back, you're supposed to split here. I was just teaching them the wrong things. Like, we should be we should be able to recognise spaces, recognise profiles. So, um, if I've got a goalkeeper that's got a great right foot, like, maybe my my 11, when the goalkeeper gets it, can get higher. If he's on his left foot, maybe my centre-back's got a bit, come a little bit closer. So, I'm on this piece right now of like positional play and trying to understand and learn what that is. So it's extensive. It is extensive. Fun, so, I mean, I, I know we started with methodology, but like, again, it's growing. I've not really put a finger on the pulse yet, and I'm really excited. I've got a project within the A that's basically building a club from scratch and mm. talking about club methodology. So, we're in partnering doing that right now. So, I might have a better, more clearer answer to that, but it's just evolved so much. And I'm always willing to try like mad things. Like yeah. um, the last two teams I've again style of playing formation, not methodology. I played with three at the back. Yeah. Um, just because of the profiles of the players. It's not like I wanna play three, it's just like, no, oh, this makes sense to play with three, you know. Um, teaching the kids that uh, all I'm talking about right now is profiles and spaces and, and building off that is, 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 as opposed to we're gonna play this way, whatever. I just I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's teaching. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I kinda went all no, I think it's good, it, and it, it allows them to, you know, make decisions for themselves. If, yeah. if you teach it a grid stat, you know, or, or trigger, it's like, okay, well, I'm supposed to do this all the time. It's yeah. like, well, you know, and we ran into this, and it's kind of like a <laughs> specific example, but we ran into this state cup last year, uh, and shout out to Ian up at IAC. He, uh, um, you know, okay, we want to play out of the back. We want to play. Well, he just dropped his line of pressure to like half, <laughs> and it was just like our guys were like. What the hell are we doing? Yeah. You know, they're just like looking around, like there's no, yeah. there's no striker. Uh, okay, like our center backs, are like, do we dribble? Like, yeah. uh, and it was like, oh yeah, like we didn't teach them. We taught them how to do this specific thing, not how to like analyze. Panicking on the ball. Yeah, panic. It's like, I'm like, doing a full three sixty with that because like that's when I first started here. Yeah, and at Western Morning, it was just like play out the back no matter what. Like that's actually not the right way no. to teach kids yeah. and I actually got into a bit of back and forth with Matty at this state cup this spring because um, I think it was PSC oh direct and he hates it <laughs> and I was just like mate we've got to learn how to play against it yeah. when they go to college they're going to play against direct play and yeah. I'm not saying that that's the way we want to play but you've got to learn how to play against it you've got to learn how to counter it and I think it's important to play different styles I think yeah. um, I'm really excited by the UFA um, stuff going up yeah. I'm hoping yeah. that they're going to play kind of like a Latino league yeah. because it's going to be different and it's going to expose coaches and it's going to make us grow like um, the tri-state team yeah love it bring it like keep bringing these mad not even mad that's actually um, a bit of a detriment in that it's not mad but different styles of play yeah. that we've got to learn from 
Um, and the crazy thing is, I think this is why it's harder to teach because we never got taught it, but we learned it by playing. Yeah. And yeah. now we're always like, oh, the kids are not playing enough. Well, it's our job to teach them the game. Yeah. Quotations. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to teach because we didn't get taught it. So now you've got to teach something that you've just done. Yeah. As opposed to being able to absolutely instruct. And I think one area where, and you talked about, you know, getting into situations where you're kind of overwhelmed. Yeah. Right. And I think one area where, as a coach, it's like kind of like the most fun is is when you go into a game and you have that, and it's you know the players. Okay, are you teaching them to read spaces? But especially like you know, we, you just went to a regional event. You. We're supposed, you know, you had your, your A, or else you would have been at a regional event. As you get to these higher level teams, and then you see that I'm sure at the academy level when you go watch them, and then you, you do see a style, and it's different. You know, they're not playing. You're like, are they are they playing five back, or yeah. you know, or, or are they playing a diamond in the midfield? And as a as a coach, okay, yeah, you you give the kids ideas, but then you have to solve the problem too. You have to go, okay, well maybe need, we need to drop our seven, you know, tuck them inside. And so that's so fun. It's like. When you get those different styles and you can't just go, okay, go play. We're better. We're more athletic. Go, yeah. go. And you have to be tactically adept to be like, mm, I might have to change this. Like, I got this wrong. It was like, like I said, in that state cup game, I was like, oh, man. Like, I wasn't, as a, like, I, I didn't teach the guys well enough yeah. to, like, adjust to that situation. I mean, the game's not taught them. They've not yeah. been in those situations enough. Yeah. Um, because we are kind of stuck in a bubble and it's harder to travel outside just because of sheer geography. But, yeah, those those things are awesome imagine how cool that is as a kid yeah that's the other thing when I was a kid like yeah I want to learn different formations oh my gosh and why we're doing them so a lot of the time what I do with the kids is like hey we're going to try this and if it doesn't work it's on me yeah and I've always got a lot of buy-in from my players I think just because of that direct like if this works if this is crap it's my fault yeah we'll see how we go but they're excited to learn new things and then they're excited that you're motivated to learn new things yeah I think it kind of works both ways but yeah, the games, I mean, the game's complex. It oh, should be man. played with complexity uh, and all those pieces to it. So I'm, I, I just, again, I hit a massive, another, like, not learning curve, but almost just, like, I've got so much to learn again for yeah. this positional play stuff. I'm just like, ah, oh, man. I'll never figure it out. All the terms. <laughs> and it happens in Spanish. So yeah, I'm, like, trying, I'm like, juego de position. Okay, <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, was that? Yeah. I feel like... Uh, beautiful mind like I start scribbling stuff everywhere. Oh like me and Moffat was in my house once mate and I went through like 20 sheets of paper and like, oh my have God. we figured it out <laughs> yeah, it's like we haven't gotten anything <laughs> anyway I was like oh this like, is mental yeah, so it's, like, it, but that's what's I mean that's what's fun about the game yeah. I mean, that's what's that's what's interesting and keeps us coming back absolutely absolutely awesome alright I think it's time to move on to the Maddie Smith story oh, I've got a couple like, and it's not Say like, as many as you want. Yeah, yeah. He's listening. Yes, he, he does. He does. He's, he's an avid, avid listener. Oh, Matt is honestly my favorite human. <laughs> yeah. Not just because he's a lead fan. But uh, there's a couple. So, And it's not Matty that's actually done this. He was just there with me. That was sure. interesting. So um, when I first started coaching JFCs in the winter, I think we are at like Aldersgate Church. <laughs> and, um, like, you know, all kids are coming across and that and for me I found it mental that I found another guy that was a Leeds fan within Des Moines which is probably about like a thousand to one right? yeah so we're chatting away and that and then these kids come over probably the listeners are not really going to understand this but Jack might more but um the kid pulled up in, in a different shirt and this was like eight nine years ago when you know soccer wasn't accessible as it is now like it wasn't NBC Sports and stuff so when you saw a different jersey that wasn't like a US or whatever yeah. oh, what is that and I was like, I can see. Like, what do you want to be a And me and Matty were like, no way. How, How did he even get there? So we were like, cr- like semi like pissed off, semi crying, laughing, like, what is happening? And I was like, Matty's going to end up pinging a ball at this <laughs> seven year old. I was like, How the hell did he get a Galatasaray top? Like, it was the craziest thing ever. So we, we had a laugh at that one. And then uh, another one, we were at uh, D Camp. Oh. Mate, there's so many stories about Matty but we're at, <laughs> at D-Camp and uh, me and Matty were playing um, you know the, the name game so you're like right he's played at AC Milan <laughs> and Arsenal and you're like alright it's like Ronaldo or something obviously yeah, yeah. that wasn't the correct one 
So we're there, and me and Matty are going back and forth. And by the way, how extensive is knowledge on football? Oh, he, he took a lead. He took a lead. Tell you, he'll tell you. You'll say, what's the starting lineup for the 1965 League Cup final? Yeah, literally. Is he in the chat? Oh, was he in there? No, he wasn't in there. Uh, it's like, he took a Leeds test online, like, on our way back from regionals last year. And this is like, again, I'm not, Leeds is like a, you know, a, What's Leeds for the for the listener? As a as a club? Yes. It's a tremendous club. <laughs> it's, it's a club of a rich history. Very yes. Uh, struggling at the moment. Yes, but uh, so then the championship in England, and Lee uh, and Rich and Matty are massive, massive fans. And so Matty's taking this quiz. Uh, and so on, I don't even know, you know, Google's like Leeds quit because yeah. <laughs> he's just bored on the way back from Four the people have taken yeah. it. Yeah. It's like 30 questions. He got one wrong, and he's like, oh, I knew that. 29 out of 30, and they, and this is not like the last like five years. It is yeah. like 30 years of Leeds history. <laughs> who was who subbed out of the, like, and he's like, oh, what, oh no, yeah. Uh, just knows it all. He's, <laughs> on, he's a walking encyclopedia oh, of knowledge see, of football. Seriously. So we're there, and we went back and forth, mate, and we're like laughing and joining you know, on a couple of years now. And, back, and we had the Nuno Ferreira uh, <laughs> from, from Rush, and obviously Nuno's from Portugal. And we were like, all right, we'll get back and forth. and like Do the know, impression. Do I, I don't know, I can do the impression. Do the but no, no, well, I don't want to have a go plus no, no. Is, uh, so he comes out and he's like, uh, you know, so you say the team. So if I'm, I, I probably need to explain this better. So if I'm thinking about David Beckham, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't say David Beckham. I would say LA Galaxy, um, Real Madrid, and Manchester United. And then someone would have to guess. And when you guess right, then you get to be the person that decides. So I think Nuno got one. I don't know how he jumped in. So then this he'd been waiting for about an hour and a half, bless him, so fair play to him. And he comes in, and he's like, Sporting Lisbon, Benfica, Boa Vista. I'm like, you just completely run the game. Like, no one knows no, what no, the hell so you're like, talking about. I don't know, mate. We're like, Figo, you know, yeah. like, any Portuguese, and he's just like, Nuno is like giggling away, and me and my like, what is happening? And he's like, Paulo Futra. And he's like, ah, starts crying, mate. He's literally rolling up. Oh. So every time I see Marty now on the field, man, I'm always like, what is that? But nah, he's a, mate. All joking aside, man, he's uh, unbelievable. I, I've never come across someone that consistently just lights up the place uh, as much as mine. And similar to Ross's story, I know he's talked about he, he got like a, a surprise letter. Mm. I got one, um, it's like last Easter. Um, and at the time I was uh, looking to move out the area. I was, I was on this, like, I want to be in a development academy track and, and all that. And it's kind of back and forth. And he, he sent me a letter and it was unreal man like just the impact that he can have on people consistently is unreal and it's just I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves for that so I, I love the boy to bits and I know I'll be listening so yeah absolutely oh man and he's a lead song so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it always helps always helps alright let's go to the the dirty 30 dirty 30 alright the dirty as quick as you can so last week we had Ginger and uh, Candice on and the dirty 30 minutes yeah yeah, yeah. Not, it's, it's, it's like you it's get, gotta be quick you just gotta go quick it's like god they're like well let me it's like no okay um okay so we'll, we'll modify it a little bit it'll be similar questions to uh what Candace and Jenner had so we can keep it more uniform um alright favorite team not leads Juventus ooh pregame meal beans on toast ooh uh favorite player ever Ever and current. Ever, Paul Gasgoyne, current. I just... Uh, no, he's done, isn't he? He's done. Uh, I'll go Messi, go on. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Coffee or tea? Tea. Uh, jersey tucked or untucked when you're playing? Untucked. Did Ooh. that yesterday. Ooh. No, Sunday even. Um, socks. Low, high, over the... Over the knees. Over the knees. Um, favorite non-soccer sport? Cricket. Ooh, oh my. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he'd love this. And then uh, favorite soccer memory. Favorite soccer memory. All right, yeah. Um, so when Leeds were good, uh, we were in the Champions League. And um, I was, I didn't talk about my dad on this at all, but my mum and dad were so supportive and unreal. My dad's a massive Leeds fan as well. And um, we uh, we were playing AC Milan. Uh, 
at Ellen Road, and this AC Milan team was like Shevchenko, Rui Costa, Costa Curta, Maldini, like top, top, top <laughs> yeah. proper team. And uh, it was pissing it down the rain, like wet Tuesday night in Yorkshire. And, uh, <laughs> but they didn't enjoy that. Yeah, and um, it was like a tight game, nil apiece, and Lee Boyer hit a like half volley, just speculative, going straight to Dida's hands. And Dida in the rain, not used to that in Brazil, like, <laughs> uh, just throws it in his bottom corner. It's like 90th minute, and we just went mental. <laughs> so my dad, um, my dad's got a, he, he's got a false leg, so, he's, mm. so we were always in the kind of front rows. Yeah. You know, I just remember like he's like jumped across like four like seats and rows I have like his legs come off <laughs> it's like all crackling everywhere and then uh, I was I think I was 12 all of that night was unreal so we won we beat AC Milan yeah Jeez, oh. and then we're walking out and like there's rain and floods everywhere like I remember a guy in a wheelchair getting like he just got tucked down like by a like a, a midstream river, and he's just like yeah, like loving it. My dad took me to my first lock-in. I was twelve years old. The lock-in is where you're in a pub after hours. Oh, okay. I get shut down. I didn't go to school the next day. My mum was not happy. <laughs> it was like, do you know what I mean? Leeds Milan. Yeah, yeah, it was. That's probably my favourite soccer moment. That's a great one. Oh my gosh. Extra time? Yeah, you have a question. All right, so we, so we have extra time. It's just a segment where we get uh, fan questions, um, e- either about soccer, specific guests, um, anything of that sort. So we got one from uh, an avid listener, uh, my good friend, uh, AJ Rich, uh, who's not a – didn't grow up playing soccer, but is a new soccer fan. Oh, so cool. it gives a little context to uh, the question. So, off the Women's World Cup, I think, is where the, the question stems from. It's, it's two parts. Um, this is for everyone at the table. Ooh. Do you think the soccer community treats casual fans cheering for a big event such as the World Cup or the Gold Cup, at, and we'll say Champions League as well, sometimes that happens, as bandwagoners or outsiders who don't actually know or understand what is happening in the game? Playing devil, devil's advocate here, but part of me feels that the committed, knowledgeable, or real U.S. soccer fan Fans thrive on the underdog, chip-on-their-shoulder fandom, and that comes with the U.S. soccer, and when new fans engage in the culture, they are not necessarily welcomed with open arms. That is a quality question, and even as you were reading that, I'm like, I've done that so many times, and I feel terrible about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've done that. I'm in a bar, and someone will shout something random, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and that's literally not the way... If, we're on about growing the game. Growing the game we, yeah, I absolutely. talk about growing the game, but we again yeah. we're fixating on the field. Yeah, and I should be doing that. That's a great question. I, I think he's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so too. And we do that on a consistent basis. Absolutely. What's his name, AJ. AJ, yeah. That's a great question, AJ. Yeah. Hopefully, if I see you out, I'll get you a pint and <laughs> teach you the offside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what I think, I and it almost would have been a good question or a kind of a, a tangent with Ginger and uh, Candice was. The women's and the men's uh, kind of not necessarily culture, but the the the, co- the talk around the teams are completely different. So the the women's team it has all this success, right? And they're their power, and they're they're badass women, and they're like yes. And then they've gotten called all, all sorts of names because they're arrogant, you know. And it's like okay, so so they're they're the talk around them is like oh they're they're too confident. They're they're, they're you know they're the, oh great. And then on the men's side, it, it's <laughs> for as long as I can remember, and I don't foresee it changing. Is it's always critical. It's always we're not good enough. We're not there. We're not. Look at the way we're playing. We don't have the player pool. We don't have this. Uh, I want what I want to talk about is what happens if it switches. What happens if the women go into the World Cup and you know not necessarily get killed because I don't foresee that happening. But what happens when they're not that dominant? What happens if, if and there's a bigger if is if the men get to a level where they're competing consistently. Because I think what he brings up is good is like chip on the shoulder underdog is like we all and I me especially is like you watch the world you know, the gold cup uh, you know, on Sunday night and, and the US did some really good things, especially the first half against you know, a top not not necessarily Mexico's top team, but a good side and definitely a country that has way more culture and history than the US does in soccer. And it's like I I still found myself going, oh, this, this is shit. This is, you know, they're doing, and it's like, it was okay, you know, and it, I don't know, 
if we'll ever get to a point where it's like, oh, man, okay, we're out and out, like, you know, but it's just difficult watching the U.S.-Mexico game, and then I, I end up watching the Brazil-Argentina game from the, yeah. <laughs> the Copa America, the, you know, a couple of days before, and it's like, the level is just... Frightening. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so I... Yeah. I, I don't know how, I if you guys have anything to talk about. Yeah, I think there's a good point to good time talking about. I think the pressure's there for both. Mm. I do think there's a critical pressure on both. It's just that the, the women's have consistently won... Uh, and I put this on social media the other day as well. I've not been necessarily impressed by the women's style play or anything else, but their mentality, they're winners. Unbelievable. They're winners. Unbelievable. So I, I think they've just pushed that pressure to their side because they've won and they've just found a way to win every game. However, if they got beat by Spain, which could have done, if they got beat by France, which could have done, got beat by England, I think there'd have been more of a critical eye again mm. um, on them. They've just done so well with kind of pushing it to the side and, and dealing with it. And we're so outcome-orientated as fans yeah. and everything in life. I mean, look at England, always a bridesmaid, never a bride kind of thing. <laughs> last three semifinals now, isn't it? They've been mm-hmm. lost in. I'm, I'm over the moon about being able to achieve that. But the biggest thing that I've really loved, and I think this is what the US men's team is struggling with right now, this is no disrespect to any of the coaching staff or anything, but I don't really know what their goal is, and I don't really know what their style of play is. So it's hard to get behind something and believe something when there's nothing that's tangible. Yeah. Um, whereas, like with England right now, even with Gareth Southgate, it felt like oh, we're building towards something. There's some yeah. young guys coming through. Um, similarly, with a with a women's game in, yeah. in England with, with what Phil Neville's on. Similarly, with, like Leeds right now, like. Bringing Bielsa in yeah. was like, oh, we've got an idea, and that's all I want. I don't, not that I don't care about winning or losing. Obviously, I want to win, but just having an actual destination and trying to get there, I think, is the coolest part of it. I don't know if you've got anything to add on. No, no, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I just, so what can we be more welcoming? Sit, yeah. sit down with people, or yeah, could, I think we all, we've all been guilty of that, and it, I, I don't understand. My thing with when I always said it, and like you said, Rich, you, someone comes into the pub and they say something, and you're like, well, shut up, mate, what are you mm-hmm. on about? But if we're trying to grow the game, why, why does it affect you if this person yeah. just come to watch this game and they just joined a team, like, yeah. start following a team? How does that affect you in any way? So it's insecurity. I yeah. Think, I, I, I think, like, we're out, and I'm, I'm saying that from my, my, my standpoint, you just, you want it. It's like when you go on a coaching license and you want to, list everything that you know in the first five minutes yeah. of meeting someone or everything that you've achieved yeah. um, so you're in there you're like, and it's you know the crap thing is is when I've been here trying to learn about hockey or basketball Americans have been so welcoming and they're like mm-hmm. hey you know this is why they do this they're not locked down on me or anything else I actually found it really cool that I've shown an interest in their sport so not to be able to reciprocate that's kind of poor on our end that mm-hmm. awesome question yeah. it really got me I, I, the only thing I would add is coming from because you both come from you know a culture where soccer is every you know it's passed down from generation family especially being an Iowan like a, a natural born Iowan coming up and then like liking soccer like it was a struggle like I remember where I vividly remember I wore three quarter pants in high school right to <laughs> to, to, to school one day. And I got slaughtered. <laughs> Just capri. Oh my! You're wearing capris. You're wearing. And I'm like, I thought these were. I was like, oh, look at my new three quarters. Like I was like, everyone's wearing. Yeah. Them. Like I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> and like, and so just and, or being like, I was like, like actually called like a grass fairy by like my teacher. In really? Like, yeah. Growing up, like, and, and it, it's those little things that you're like, and so I, I guess from my perspective, it, the only thing would be like. To see, and this is just cynical of me, but to see, like, someone at a, at a bar and they're, you know, cheering, it's like, dude, like, and again, I don't know anything, so, it, again, we do need to be more inclusive. It's just from me to be like, you know, you might have been, like, the football player guy that, like, laughed at soccer, but just because it's the U.S. and we're in a world, like, now you're going to be... Yeah, it, I mean, and, and, and again, that's not, that's on me, but it, it's it's similar to like when you liked a band before they were cool. And yeah, like, yeah, oh, I knew them yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same kind of thing. But yeah. I've got so much more time for like people like yourself who love the game because I'm like myself and Jack didn't have you know have a chance. We're gonna love football, like yeah. soccer. That's what's yeah. gonna do. But 
when I come across about people like, like yourself who love it, grew up trying to play as, as, as best you can, and then trying to give back. Like, have you heard like Jenny Wood's story? Mm-mm. Jenny Wood's story is crazy. Well, so she's from Iowa, you know, and um, she was trying to play the team, had like a women's team to play on. Yeah. And that's how it started. And she still fell in love with the game enough to consistently persist at it. And and then look what she's doing now for the state. Like, yeah. it, I, I just, I can't get over that. Like, that's unreal for y'all to love the game as much. So, um, kudos. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Buttering my bread. Right. <laughs> I don't mind this. Oh, man. Uh, Jack, any other question? Yeah. No, I think no? that's it. I think that's everything. Right. Um, Rich, yeah. is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Promote, plug? Who do you think our next guest should be? Oh. When are you going to get the bold mic, Smith? On? Oh. <sighs> He, he, he's conflicted about it. He, really? he should be. Or oh, does he want to like kind of stay over the fence a little bit? Yeah, yeah. he's gonna create, gonna create a bit more of. A, Maybe we'll have him on as a co-host, a celebrity. Yeah, that's what we have. Yeah, we should, should get him and Burnsy on together. But yeah, Roscoe told us about the, uh, the ODP oh, van on the way back from Memphis. It's like. I think Burnsy talked for about three hours on the construction <laughs> of mozzarella sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, I've been, I've been in some holes in my... I was, I was in a hospital waiting room with him for like ten hours. And we... It's the best time I've had. He's <laughs> <laughs> unreal. Just oh, too- I mean, he's such a good boy. Uh, but no, yeah. not, not anything else there. Just uh, thanks so much for having us on. And yeah. really appreciate what you're already doing and attempting to do. And hopefully the listeners are getting more from it. I'm taking some from it all the time, so thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Cheers. 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 Cheers.